everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we take a deep dive into all things WWE as we are a little under two weeks away before SummerSlam going down live from Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm proud to say this show is not rated TV 14. And by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the wise man, the sometimes advocate for Von Wagner and a proud member of Maximum Male Models. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Yeah, you know, I'm here. I, uh, I forgot my tennis suit, you know, my short shorts, but uh, I do have my racket. I'm always ready to, to, to hit a couple volleys with my, with my partner over here, who I just love to chop it up and talk all things WWE with, so I'm excited. Um, Max gave me the call. I got to get a haircut and shave, though. So uh, before I can get on TV, so I might not be there on a, for a while, but uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. So you will be a part of the swimsuit edition of the photo shoot next week on SmackDown. Ah, uh, see, they didn't give me enough time to get my body right. You know, I got that dad bod rocking right now. So uh, I'm gonna miss the photo. I'm gonna miss the swimsuit, the swimsuit edition. But uh, when we get to that flannel edition, you know, that that fall edition with the long sleeves and the flannels and all that, I'm in there serving lumberjack you already know that's me all day (laughs) with the axe showing off the biceps the glutes the ankles the long hamstring as you try to exude what it means to be a lumberjack you know the guy the meme the meme guy that does the cooking and he just you know he does the funny hand thing where he's dropping the salt that's gonna be me in the lumberjack suit for Max Dupree, as 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 uh, Masse and Mansois, as they walk out, I'm just going to be dripping salt over top of them on at like a platform or something like that. My God, I would actually love that visual. And <laughs> the bigger question is, would you be able to keep a straight face through all of that? So. The, the camera cannot stay on me. Let's, let's just put a couple things out there. It needs to be far away because once I see them, if I see them start doing any type of like dancing or anything under the salt, they're going to break me. I, I'm, I'm going to be gotten. It's going to be a wrap for me and I'm probably going to lose my job. So I, I need the camera to stay off of me at all times, except when I'm the quick throw when I'm doing the salt, I'll be good. But once I see them come out underneath the salt, I'll be in trouble. What if they brought out like umbrellas, like the Morton Salt Girl, <laughs> <laughs> twirling around? Let me tell you, I'll be good if they come out with the umbrellas. But once they pop them bad boys open and have it like you know actually covering and blocking the salt, then I'm gonna lose it. See, that's what I'm talking about. What are you? What are you doing, Keela? I have a job lined up, and you're trying to find ways for me to lose my job. What's going on here? It's my life's purpose to make your life a living hell. So <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I do for you. It's what I do for our listeners out there. And uh, I do have to point out that we will have a debut next Friday with the debut of apparently Max's sister, Maxine Dupree. And I got money, possibly maybe, that Jenny from NXT UK will be the sister of Max Dupree. Huh. That's good. As long as it's not Tiffany Stratton. I don't want her to be in this group. I think she's you know, good enough to be on her own. I just have a suspicion that it's going to be her, but I hope it's not. So I'm all for anybody but Tiffany. I'm hoping it's Jenny because she fits the bill. And besides her and Gunther are together and it's time for them to be together traveling on the main roster. So here's hoping she can add some fashion and some elevation to the SmackDown women's division. That's my hope because anybody else wouldn't make sense. 
I'm all for that. I, and, you know, they, they need a female presence in that group anyway. And I'd, I'd love for her to be the one in charge of it and actually pulling the strings. That would be a nice twist on this entire thing. Same. And I just want Max to dump the cue cards because I need him to talk from the dome because he's trying to remember every single line. And it makes it a little bit stiff. But I think he'll be good once he kind of wraps his mind around the character because I do still miss L.A. Knight, despite me kind of liking Max Dupree minus the cue cards, trying to remember every other line for his clientele. Yeah, bring back L.A., man. They, they didn't get this man. He didn't have, this dude has six different names. <laughs> Like, what's going on? He don't even know who he is anymore. He's going to be trying to do L.A. Night and say, Max Dupree? I mean, L.A. Night. He ain't going to know what's going on. Like, leave this man alone. Let this man. I hope he, whatever this the end game is, I hope it's him. Be like, you know what? I'm not Max. I'm L.A. Night. I'm not doing this anymore because this is ridiculous. I just want him to say, let me talk to you. And I'd be That's so it. happy. That's and it. yeah, I miss that too. Yeah. Ah, uh, see? We don't even get to do that anymore because he doesn't do it. Nobody gets to do that anymore. And it's like, it's not like WWE doesn't own the rights to LA Knight. Let's change him up. Oh, God. Well, as we put aside maximum male models, I do want to talk about our lead story this week, which is a little different. It's like walking down memory lane to the year 2015, seven years ago this week. I was watching Monday Night Raw. I believe Scott was too at the time. And the show took place, I believe, from Atlanta, Georgia. And Stephanie McMahon, founder of Women's Wrestling, insert sarcasm here, shook things up on Monday Night Raw by introducing three of the very best from NXT. At the time, we had the NXT Women's Champion Sasha Banks alongside Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch making their main roster debuts to remind fans that, yeah, wrestling matters in some ways because they were doing business down at NXT alongside Bailey at the time, putting in classics on NXT. Takeovers were a thing at the time, about to make the jump from Full Sail to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn one month later. And it was just a nice breath of fresh air. But of course, WWE is going to WWE by doing the most and did not get this right until WrestleMania 32 about six or seven months later, but the effort to try to change the perception of women's wrestling on the main roster was greatly appreciated. But let it be known that Stephanie did not invent wrestling. She was not a part of the revolution per se, because I watched WWE dating back to the early 2000s. And I just found it funny trying to whitewash Trish and Lita and Jazz and Jacqueline and Ivory and Gail Kim and Victoria and Mickey James. They tried to erase that history, which was very prevalent. And you didn't need to market what, what women's wrestling was at the time. It was you that dropped the ball by going to the catalogs and training people that weren't wrestlers at the time. And you just push them on TV. And that, and that is what led to the stagnation of the Divas division for seven to eight years. You dropped the ball because when you cared... It mattered. There was no agenda. And then you got a fire lit under your ass to say you need to change this perception of what women's wrestling is and what it can be via the work that was done in NXT by Triple H around 2012. Yeah, I think that's all spot on. And you bring up a good point about how there were wrestlers who were putting on good matches or at least trying to put on good matches. One match in particular, I think of before the big quote unquote, you know, women's revolution, which if we're being honest, started with Gail Kim and, and then those knockouts over there in TNA. But 
one match that stands out to me before in WWE is Beth Phoenix versus Melina in a submissions match. And you're probably thinking, what in the world? Are you serious? That is one of the better women's matches you will find. And it's when, when I say that, I say that because you don't have that many. You've got that. You've got Lita versus Trish in the main event of Raw. You've got the Mickey-Trish match at WrestleMania. You've got Trish versus Lita and Trish's retirement match, but you don't have that many great go-to matches. You have some, you know, forgotten gems like the one I mentioned, like Melina and Beth Phoenix. You know, you have big moments like Beth Phoenix slamming Eve off the top rope with the with the glam slam and stuff like that. But you don't have these great women's wrestling matches that came after this. So I'm glad you brought that up just because they should be recognized for the talent that they had and for trying. You could tell they put effort into their matches. They only had five, six, seven. Even that submission match only had eight, nine minutes, but they jam-packed it. They did a lot into it. They put a lot into it, a lot of thought, and you could tell that they just care. So I'm really glad that you brought that point up about the talent that was there, that's always been there. They just didn't get the opportunities that these women have. And they, they did lay that foundation down for them. Absolutely. And I go to Beth Phoenix, who was ahead of her time in a lot of ways. And I love that submission match, as you mentioned, because it was so good and hard hitting for the time they had. But I go to comments that Melina and Michelle McCool and Beth Phoenix made several years ago, noting they told us, don't hit hard. Don't do that. That's what guys do. Don't do that move. That's what guys do. And that was so frustrating to say, oh, so we can't do what the guys do. Let's do what the women are supposed to do. Why try to put labels on what women can and cannot do in the ring? Let's not be too ambitious. Let's not do too much. And that was a very frustrating time as a fan that you had to listen to near silence during these matches. And the ladies tried everything they could to get over. You had glimmers of hope here and there via AJ Lee versus Caitlin, another underrated that was ahead of its time but as you mentioned it was very hard to find a singular feud that stood out between 2008 and ultimately 2015 pace tried to a point but wwe was so half-assing what it meant to be a women's wrestler on the main roster at the time yeah even the the page aj lee you know kind of feud that was more even that was more about the story than it was what was going on in the ring and i think that's kind of where the big shift was and it was kind of just going out there and showing we can put on these incredible matches that are more compelling than the men are doing. We can engage the audience. I mean, the audience was so willing and ready to accept the women. And I think that was the telling thing, how just ready everyone was like, yeah, like we're, we're fully behind this. We're 100% ready to get behind this. Like when you were giving these people a story and an opportunity, they were not going to get out the park. You know, like I, I it's just like the, the Mickey Trish Stratus match from WrestleMania. Like people talk about that because they were, yeah, they did some crazy things, but the match was really good. The crowd was so hot for that match. Like the, we, the people, the wrestling fans, we are ready. We were ready to embrace the women. So it was time. And, and we had, and let's also put this on top of it. We had the right women to do it with. Again, we had, we've always had them, but there was something special about this core, about this Sasha, 
Charlotte, Becky Lynch core that we had here. There's something different about there was something special about it. So especially going against kind of the older guard, which was Nick, the Bellas, uh, Alicia Fox, people like that. There was something different about that, a different energy that was brought. So it, everything happens for a reason when it's supposed to happen. And we, we had that perfect storm, that perfect lightning in a bottle. Cause I don't, if, if it's not Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, like we had engaging people, we had the right cast at the right time. Perfect timing. The execution was not perfect. I remember mm-hmm. waiting 10 years, 10 WrestleManias since Trish versus Mickey James to find a good match. It happened at WrestleMania 32 in 2016, but 10 years was a long time to find that one matchup that was sent out at a WrestleMania. I survived Bunny Mania. I survived a battle royal that didn't matter. A tag team match that was okay at best. We endured the most. And then we got the reward in the end when he switched the Divas Championship into the WWE Women's Championship, courtesy of Lita. And that was a great moment to say, here's a new era that finally means something. And it all started one fateful night in Atlanta, July 2015. What a night it was. And I just go back to the introductions of Sasha, Charlotte, and Steampunk Becky, and they were over. And as you mentioned, we had the Bella Twins, Alicia Fox, Naomi, and Tamina, and Paige on the main roster at the time, and we got the clicks. We had PCB, we had Team Bad, and we had Team Bella. And, you know, this is not going to be popular opinion, but I will say this. Nikki Bella, I thought, played her role perfectly. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. And she held her end up inside the ring. She's not going to, she's not going to put on the matches, the caliber that Sasha and Charlotte or Sasha and Becky can put on together. But I thought for, for where she was, for what the matches she was putting on to being able to put these matches on with them. I thought that she was the perfect foil for these women too. And of course it had to be Charlotte, you know, to be the one to dethrone her. But I thought that Nikki Bella was the perfect foil for all of this. So everything just worked like she Nikki Bella is kind of the one of the faces of the divas. Like she's a face of the divas division. She had a show created after her and her her and Brie, you know, total divas, total Bellas. Like she's the face of it. And it, it worked perfectly for her to be this long reigning dominant champion to be dethroned by the new generation. Again, everything was just lightning in a bottle. just a perfect situation here. Yeah, I got to give Nikki props too. I mean, she improved when she returned to WWE in 2012, 2013. And she and Brie left because of what we said, because the opportunities weren't there and you get tired of the same old stuff when you're underappreciated and you're not getting the storylines that you deserve. You're not getting the push that you feel that you need in order to really highlight women's wrestling on WWE in a better way. And I will say that Nikki's very last match in WWE prior to her walking away due to her neck injury was in October 2015, the rematch between Charlotte Flair and herself for the Divas Championship. I thought that was a great way for Nikki to officially pass the baton to Charlotte, say, you got this division in your hands. This belongs to you now. And I thought that was a great moment. And Nikki improved greatly in the ring, not only as a performer, but as a character. You needed someone like that because she was the face of the Divas division. And in some ways, it was a standard that fans were tired of, but she was necessary. She was needed to push forth what we see today. 
and like you said, she put the work in. Like I, I will always have a respect for somebody who will put the work in. And again, not a popular opinion, but she has a fan base. Like the Bellas have a loyal fan base that will follow them ride or die. Even though she was a heel, people were still cheering for her. Like, so you have to, like all of that has to factor into all of it. And the fact that she was willing to put the work in, like you, and like we both mentioned, she got better and she was able to hang with them. Again, I'm not expecting her to put on a five-star match with anybody, but she did her thing. She was the perfect foil. Um, and what we got going forward was, was just, it was a, a good coordination. And I, I'm not a Charlotte hater, so I'm, I don't have a problem with Charlotte being the one to do that. Cause that's kind of been Charlotte's whole gimmick. She's the one to end streaks, to change the guard, to beat everybody. That's Charlotte always been Charlotte's thing. So this is just how it's always been. And it's how it's still going now. Yes. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So we go through kind of like this mixed period in 2015 through early 2016 before WrestleMania. When did you sense the switch up? Cause I want to see if your answer matches mine. When did you notice like, okay, we see something here that is actually going to lead to something good. When was the moment for you regarding Charlotte, Sasha and Becky that you said, aha, this is it. This is something we can work with, something that we can work with. I see the vision from this point forward. So I, you know, when they first debuted, I, I was not a fan of the the clicks. I, I didn't like the, the big three men or three women tags. I, I thought it was, to me, it felt like you were just trying to get all the women on the screen at the same time at once. Let's, you know, let's 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 quote unquote give the women time, but let's put all their time together at the same time. You know, you got nine women all together on the same screen, and I don't think we saw them for the rest of the show. So, I didn't like that at first, but you know, when you saw the matches that they were starting to put on, they were given more time. And I think that was kind of the key. They were given more time and the crowd was beginning to be invested with it. But I genuinely didn't think it was real. Like we were really going to get this big type of revolution, not even revolution, but just this kind of changing of the guard. Cause that's genuinely what it was until WrestleMania. When we got the, the title, like I, I just, I, you know, w, we we know what WWE will do. We know how they'll pull the rug from under you. And I I was just worried that this was going to be that three-month experiment where we're like, look at what we're doing for the women. And there you go. It's like the uh, the, the, the the black man push that you know you're going to get every February, you know? or I mean, it's just, you know, the reparations push. That's, that's what it is. You know what you're going to get every February. You know somebody, uh, you know, a brother or a sister is going to get a nice little push coming in February. And that's what it felt like. But when we got that title and it felt like we got a main event caliber level match. And in my opinion, it was probably the best match on WrestleMania that year. That's when it felt like, okay, we're, we're doing, we're genuinely building a women's division now, a women's wrestling division. My moment was the Warrior Rumble 2016. And it was Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch for the Divas Championship. And this was the first matchup I saw when Becky and Charlotte were able to do their thing. Ric Flair was out there causing trouble and he kissed Becky and it was nasty and has edited off the network because there was no place for it. They learned their lesson, but the match was great nonetheless. But the moment I will always remember is that when the match was over, guess who came out to shake up the game? Sasha Banks. Her presence alone said 
I got next. This is a nice moment for y'all, but don't forget about me. And that was the moment that really launched towards WrestleMania 32. And I thought that matchup at the Royal Rumble was a nice precursor for things to come. That was the first time I said, okay, you got something here. Don't mess it up. And since then, it's been smooth sailing in terms of this division being presented more seriously and given great storylines to boot. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it goes back to just given, being given time and opportunities to show what you can do. And then when you knock it out the park, to just be, to continue to be given that trust. And we all know it all comes down to one man and him having the trust and be like, okay, you, you did that. I, you go do that again. And we've seen those, those women, those three in particular, if we're being honest about it, have more trust than anybody on the roster. And the only other person I think who's getting that is you could, you could throw Oscar and Bianca Belair and Bailey, but you know, you could throw Oscar, Bianca Belair, but it's a select few, you know, and those three have earned that trust because of the way they've been able to get the crowd engaged. Again, they were the right people for the job. You know, they understood the assignment. They were the right people for the assignment. You couldn't give this assignment to some, somebody else and it worked like this. It might have worked, but I don't know if it works like this to the point where we've we had a full blown women's pay per view, a women's Royal Rumble, ladder matches, TLC matches, elimination chamber matches, closing out shows, two black women in a main event of WrestleMania. When has two black men even been in the main event of a WrestleMania? Like. All of that has been accomplished because of these three women being that foundation. And it goes in those moments that we were, we're going to continue to talk about the match with Becky, the new title at WrestleMania, uh, the first uh, raw, you know, the closing raw out, you know, multiple times closing a pay-per-view out, having a hell in a cell match. These first time moments that they started having after that, these were the right women. It's all going to come back to that. Everything we talk about is going to come back to these women being the right people for the assignment. And it's kind of melancholy because we know about Sasha Banks' situation in WWE, if she's even with the company right now. And it doesn't stop our celebration whatsoever because, as Scott mentioned several weeks ago, what she has done in WWE would never be erased. They can try their best. They can say, you can't say her name on TV. She can't be included in the video packages. Nice try. But you can't erase the history that was built by her, Charlotte and Becky, seven years ago. The history that was made at WrestleMania, two black women main eventing WrestleMania, all three main eventing at WrestleMania in the span of two or so years. That is something you can never take away from any of them. They laid the foundation for the next generation in the best possible way. And I just want to highlight that. Like, you're not going to erase her contributions despite your best efforts. I'll, I'll actually take it a step further, Keela, and I'll say Sasha Banks is arguably the most important woman, the most important woman WWE's had for the last however long she's been there. She's the most important woman in this entire revolution. And I, I, I'll state my facts because we already mentioned how she was the first, you know, she was in that triple threat. So she was a part of that. She was, I believe she was in the first Hell in a Cell. Um, I, you know, she was the, she had the incredible match with Bailey and NXT that, you know, again, kind of kickstarted this whole thing. Every 
important moment when it comes to women's wrestling when you talk about this revolution and all the first and all of these historic moments i got i mean i just said this but sasha banks is going to be mentioned in every single one of these she is the linchpin in every single one of these incredible moments. The big debut, Sasha was there. The big entrance at WrestleMania, it was Sasha with Snoop Dogg. You know, uh, Sasha comes back, new hair, it's a brand new Sasha. We remember all these Sasha moments. Who beat AAW in the ratings like during the Demo God era? Sasha Banks. Like, these, this, this is the legacy that she has. She's the first tag champion. You no, know, two first two women to be a tag champion. Sasha Banks. Every historic thing you can think of with women's wrestling involves Sasha Banks. You, there's there is no erasing Sasha Banks. That is out the question. And I don't, I don't even think they're foolish enough to try. They may not mention her name, but I don't think they're going to go out their way to try to erase her. Like because you can't. You, there's no way you can talk about the history of women's wrestling in WWE going forward at any point in time without mentioning Sasha Banks. Yeah, you, you, you can't. I'm sorry, you, you can't do that. It's impossible, and they won't, despite their best efforts. You're not going to do it. And based on our list, which we'll get to shortly, we are going to have Sasha Banks appear in a lot of these best of matches involving everybody else because she connects the tissue so beautifully. But I do want to shout out several people from the Feige Media family that have contributed to the list of some of their favorite Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha matches. First up, I got is our guy, a founding member of the rap, Paul Fontaine. He's going to shout out Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey in the last match they had at WrestleMania Backlash. That was a damn good fight. Finally, Ronda Rousey showed up once again, and Charlotte was there for every moment. We got Becky versus Bianca at This Is WrestleMania, which was absolutely stellar. And of course, Sasha versus Bianca at last year's WrestleMania. And I think that list pretty much sounds similar to ours in some ways we get down to our list eventually yeah I, there's going to be a lot of similarities with that i think a few there's going to be some matches that are going to be streamlined i think through everybody's list at some point just because they're iconic they're going to be what you talk about 10 years down the road Yes, Sebastiano. He has Sasha and Becky both had great matches with Bianca at the last two couple of WrestleManias. Bailey versus Sasha at either Hell in a Cell or NXT. Charlotte, anytime she lost to one of the other horsewomen. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? See what I'm talking about? That's what I mean right there. And I can't even be mad because it's like, but hey, she is the opportunity. When you beat Charlotte, it's a big deal. It is. I'm just, that line took me out because it was a beautiful day. I go back to those Monday Night Raws in 2016 when Sasha got three wins over Charlotte Flair in like four months. I cried like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I hated the hot potato, but thank you nonetheless for doing what you needed to do. And his last line was Becky is really what got me back into wrestling when he was burnt out. And I can understand it because the man was the moment back in 2018. Iconic. Yes, Paul goes back to the three-way at WrestleMania in 2016. Daniel LeCue has Sasha versus Bayley at NXT TakeOver in 2015 in Brooklyn. 
that match will come up most definitely. He's going to throw Charlotte and Becky into one match. That was the last women's standing match at Evolution in 2018. That one was great. That might pop up on my list as well. Kevin Ely has Becky versus Sasha in XC title match on, I think, a takeover when Becky debuted the steampunk Becky look. I also think he also lists the NXT takeover match between Sasha and Bailey, I believe. But he does mention that the Sasha and Becky match holds a special place in his heart because that was the glory days of NXT a full sell. Yes, it was black and gold brand all day with the stamp the boss stamp for the contracts. I'm so glad she bought that back a couple of years ago during the early days of the empty arena era. Again, look at what we're, look at who we're talking about. Look at, look at the moments in, in, that we're talking about. Sasha Banks is a part of all of these. That's, that's going to be the theme, man. Yes, Jeremy Feinstein, another member of the Fightgate Media family. Jeremy notes Sasha versus Bailey at TakeOver was transcendent. No other star in the last five years in WWE had as authentic a moment as Becky Lynch, bloodied and concussed, standing taller than any superstar on the stairs on the road to Survivor Series of 2018. That was an iconic moment of Becky not knowing where the hell she was, knocked out bloody, but posing like a boss and saying, bring it on. I would never forget it because that was the last time I cared about WWE because after Survivor Series went down, creative took a collective shit for a good six months. Yeah, that, yeah, Nia Jax messed her face up, but, you know, Becky... Becky was like, yo, all right, I'm already messed up. Let's go ahead and let's scrap. <laughs> let's do and the crowd is fired up. And, you know, we don't get blood on TV. And she, the camera is all in her face. I, it's, I, that's, that is, that's the man. That's the, that's the moment that we will need to see this coming year. If she, when she wants to be the baby face and get to that level, it's going to take a, a moment like that. She doesn't need to get concussed and, and, and crushed in the face. Um, but that's, that's a moment that she's going to need to not, not recreate, but, but replicate and, and make her own again. Yes. And finally, Darren Raysworth gives us a little bit of a cheat as he has Bailey and the, let me see, let me kind of count this right. The four way on takeover rival with Bailey in the matchup and and Sasha wins her first ever championship on NXT as far as individual Charlotte was the one she had with Eon Rhea Ripley and Sasha was the Iron Woman match with Becky at NXT TakeOver Becky had a three-way with Asuka and Charlotte at TLC 2018 and that latter match was which was pretty damn great as well when Asuka became the Smackdown Women's Champion and that led to Becky eventually winning the 2019 Warrior Rumble on the road to WrestleMania that year so thank you guys for all of your picks we appreciate it because they kind of line up with ours in a lot of ways but your overall thoughts on the listeners picks for their favorite matches involving this fantastic trio incredibly intelligent picks um you know they all those are spot on you you can't go wrong with any of those picks and to be honest with listening to those lists you could make a nxt list for these women and you could make a main roster list for these women that's how deep it goes. So, Scott, putting you on the spot right now, give me your top three Charlotte Flair matches ever. So I, I do want to throw this disclaimer out. I'm for 
you know, for when we get to to Becky and and Sasha, uh, there are going to be a couple matches that I'm not going to throw in there just because everybody I know everybody's going to have them in there, so I won't need to mention them. As far as Charlotte Flair goes, one of my favorite matches, even though I hated the result. I think they got it wrong. Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, WrestleMania 34, with Asuka's streak on the line. The crowd was hot for it. I thought they put on a really, really good match. They have really good chemistry. You're going to hear Asuka a lot on my list. Um, My next match is Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, Becky Lynch, the TLC match, 2018. That's a great match. Asuka, again, Shows up in the big moment. She's always there with the four horse women. Um, she's one of the few that gets these wins. And then my final match, I was torn between, and it's two NXT matches. I was torn between Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania in the empty arena uh, during the uh, pandemic era. I thought that just felt like such a contest and I was really into the the pure rules wrestling matches of Ring of Honor at the time where you know you can you can hear the the grind of them scrolling through holds and you know hear them talking smack. I thought that match really did it. So I was torn between that one and the triple threat with her, EO and Rhea Ripley at In Your House, I think it was, but I, I I'm gonna go with her versus Ripley at WrestleMania. I just really enjoyed um the kind of the struggle. It felt like a a a real grappling contest and like they were just really trying to beat the piss out of each other and, and win the match. And for the NXT title, it elevated the title again. I thought Rhea should have won. She still hasn't gotten her win back, but I thought that was a really, really good match. I love that match. Just shortly just fell off the list for me. That was really the first empty arena match that opened my eyes to say, damn, Y'all can do that because they brought so much grit and physicality and emotion and they just brought it, which is not easy to do when nobody's there except you, the cameras, your opponent and the announcers. That's it. Not a soul was heard. There was no fake crowd sound either. You just had to go out there and put on a match. And I thought they and I thought they did great under the environment during WrestleMania a couple of years ago. My Charlotte Flair picks is first up Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series 2018, a match done basically on five days notice. And it was a battle. I will never forget how emotional both ladies were. They just fed off each other. It was a physical, violent match. Then Charlotte breaks out the kendo stick and beats Ronda Rousey's ass until she's black and blue. She pilmanizes her as well. It was a fantastic beatdown. And I just loved the physicality and the emotion both ladies brought to that match. That's what I was kind of hoping they would bring to this feud this year before WrestleMania, but it kind of fell short up until WrestleMania Backlash when they reminded me, okay, they can go at this level once again. Next up is Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley at Money in the Bank 2021. One of the greatest Charlotte Flair recoveries ever when the fans chant, we want Becky, and she flips him the bird and says, suck it. And she proceeds to have one of the best matches of her career. Unfortunately, Rhea loses, but it was a great match. Nonetheless, in my top Charlotte Flair match is WrestleMania 32, 2016. Chupa threat for the WWE Women's Championship involving herself, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. Uh, and not Charlotte Flair, but Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. A great match. Probably my favorite match from WrestleMania that night. 
upon rewatch many times over. Just a great battle. Charlotte wins, of course, to become the WWE Women's Champion. It was a well-deserved win despite some Ric Flair interference down the stretch when he helped Sasha Banks back for breaking up the pin attempt. And, you know, it was a really, really good match. And you could see the potential of what this division could be with Charlotte at the helm and eventually Becky and Sasha as well. Good, solid list. The the triple threat I didn't put in there just because it had all three women in, and I could have put that on all three of their lists, but I can't I can't deny it because it's a it's an iconic moment that will forever be talked about. All righty, so your picks for Becky's best matches in WWE. So I, this is a biased pick because it has you know my favorite women's wrestler tapping out the man, but my favorite Becky Lynch match is her versus Asuka at the Royal Rumble 2019, where Asuka taps her out after a beautiful counter. Um, that's just, I, I love that match. I, I think Asuka looks great. Again, Asuka comes up a lot. Becky versus Bianca. I think that um, might be one of the best WrestleMania world title matches of all time. I, I will put it up there against anything. It's that good. It's a great match. Bianca, when she hits that flip on the on the man counter in the corner and she scoops up Becky and she takes that step in the center and the entire crowd raises up with her as she tosses her down, it's such an incredible visual. Um, her beating two horsewomen back-to-back years. That's just a fantastic match. And then Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair at the Women's Revolution, the last woman standing match. Those two, you know, they they get can have their beef or whatever, but they don't miss in the ring. They When they get in the ring, they understand the assignment and they get it done. And this match was brutal, in, inventive. I don't care what anybody says about Charlotte Flair. She brings it in the ring. She gets it done. She she makes sure if you're not going to hit me, I'm a I'm a damn sure make sure I hit the hell out of you. Then I'm a smack this piss out of you and I'm gonna make sure you bring it. And I, I love that about Charlotte Flair. So I, I will always enjoy a Charlotte match. But this match uh, definitely again at the women's revolution pay-per-view, the women's pay-per-view, all women. I think this was the main event. Great match. Um, so that's my Becky Lynch picks. All righty. So I'm very similar with you. Becky versus Charlotte. Last woman standing Evolution 2018. That was a hell of a fight. Charlotte slaps it different. And this is really the birth of the man. Because right after this match, the man shirts popped up on SmackDown. She was fully engulfed in that gimmick. And I loved this match because it set the tone for what would be heading into WrestleMania the following year. My second pick is Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks inside Hell in a Cell in 2019. One of the most physical, violent, and creative Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Both ladies brought it. I loved what they did. I didn't see it before in terms of the creativity with the chair and the kendo sticks and the bumps they took. A really, really great match. And finally, my top pick is Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair at this year's WrestleMania. The entrances alone I have hyped up to the nth degree and the match was simply amazing. And as you mentioned earlier, that crowd rising to their feet when Bianca Belair faked out Becky Lynch, put her in that KOD for the win, the pop, the reaction, the finish was amazing. And this was their finest work together on pay-per-view to date. I, I, I let me tell you this as well. Bianca Belair is is slowly creating her own 
list of moments and matches where when she's when it's all said and done, she's going to be right up there with these women when we talk about women's wrestling in WWE. Absolutely. She is coming through with the matches at WrestleMania and all of the major events. She's an honorary horsewoman. I'll, I'll adopt Asuka and her in the mix. They are that great. The Super Six, when they really bring out the best in each other. And Bailey's included in that equation as well. Just a great mixture of talent assembled together. But finally, last but certainly not least, the very best of Sasha Banks, Scott. So for Sasha, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone I'm not including her matches with Bailey, either one of them, because I, I those are levels above anything else I think she can do just because there was a there's just a whole different energy and story that was with those matches that I don't think will be replicated in a very long time. So I those two matches, you you already know about them. The Iron Woman match and uh, the, the Brooklyn Takeover match, you know about them. You know what they bring into the table. So I'm going to give you three other Sasha Banks matches besides those two. But those are definitely levels above. Let me make sure everyone understands that. I understand that. I got it. Um, Sasha versus Bianca Belair. Two black women main event, WrestleMania, closing out WrestleMania. Bianca Belair put in that spot the trust to have Sasha Banks be the one to carry her. Do not carry her. That's completely wrong of me to say. Sasha Banks to lead her through that match and for um, this just a, a great match as well. When she hits that whip in the middle of Sasha Banks' stomach with her hair, again, the crowd rises and they're ready to, go, to, to just cheer and go with Bianca. So that's a great match. Uh, I'm with you as well, Keela. Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch in the Hell in a Cell. Sasha Banks returns. You think there's a real... This is when Becky was on her, you know, really on her dominant run. And people... You know, there wasn't a lot of people that you thought could take the title. Sasha was one of those people. She came back, new look, reinvigorated. So this was a great match there. And then I'm going with Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai. Uh, great American... I think it was at the Great American Bash. I could be wrong about that. Sasha Banks was the tag team champion with Bayley. Io Shirai was the NXT champion. Then um, I picked this match because this, you know, we make a big, we made a big deal about the quote unquote war that they had, and one of the few times NXT was able to pull out a victory was because of Sasha, <laughs> Sasha Banks, and I, Io Shirai definitely deserves some credit too. But Sasha Banks coming down and having that great match, and they put on a banger of a match too, and deserved every accolade that they got, and you know, every bit of the the viewership that they got. So uh, those are my three matches for Sasha Banks. All righty. My picks are Sasha Banks winning the NXT Women's Championship at NXT TakeOver Rival involving Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and Becky Lynch. I love that, for, that Fatal 4A match. We reviewed it earlier this year on the Patreon. I love that match. I had to watch it on a delay. I stopped it specifically for that matchup. It was so good, creative, and I just loved all four horsewomen together the only time it's really happened in a big time way we need to see it happen again sometime very soon if wwe ever gets it together when it comes to sasha banks but you know in wwe you never say never and you never know what to expect my second pick is sasha banks versus bianca belair at lashes wrestlemania two black women main eventing wrestlemania for the first time ever it was a great match the hair whip heard around the world I'll never forget it. The audible shock and awe from the crowd was everything. But that was just such a great match. The strength, the creativity, the near falls had me going. Just love that match. And my number one pick will be 
something I cannot deny because it made me cry the first time upon replay. My mom had to watch the match because she said, who is Sasha Banks and Bailey take over Brooklyn 2015, almost seven years ago this year, the standard, it changed everything for me as a wrestling fan. I felt this is what women's wrestling can be in WWE. This, this is what it can be in North America. And it set the standard for where we are right now. And that match will forever be the centerpiece, the moment that really changed the game for WWE. You know, again, this is, I mean, I just want to say I love the fact that we've spent the first half of this show just talking about and praising these women and, and just talking about the impact that they've had and the enjoyment that we've had watching them and the countless number of matches. And like there's so many other matches that we we didn't even talk about. Like we haven't even we didn't even mention you know, Bailey versus Sasha Banks that was on SmackDown for the women's for the SmackDown championship that had been built up over a year. Um, Asuka and e, and um, and Kyrie Sane versus Bailey and and Sasha Banks for the tag titles. Like there were we there's so many matches that we haven't even talked about. Ronda versus all three, all of them at some point were all good matches. Like it's you know these these women deserve all of this and I, I i'm actually really happy and glad that you brought this topic up and that we were able to just spend this time talking about it because i they deserve these accolades and these praises because the women are a big part of the show now like especially from where they were and these review shows that we do just looking back at where it is and how important they are now and how important they should be and how they can be an even more impactful part of the show i just think it it speaks volumes to these three women and it goes back to them being that foundation and being the right women for the assignment i've i've loved this conversation me too i've enjoyed it too and i just thought about the 70 year anniversary i kept talking about it because it's such an important time in wwe and i don't give a damn about the pr marketing the promotion of women's evolution the revolution i don't care about stephanie reciting the same shit repeatedly my husband did this in 2012 he did that in 2015 it's about what these women did in spite of what you tried to spout via your buzzwords they put in the work and they had to go up against a whole lot of shit to get to where they are today and they're still going through it in a lot of different ways especially with Sasha Banks but these women changed the game that you can main event Wrestlemania you can main event Monday Night Raw you can main event Smackdown you can main event a takeover you can do whatever you want to do because you have the talent and you have the equity and the autonomy to do so there is no knowing WWE as to what you you can't do because they set the table for the next generation, for the Rare Ripley's, for the Bianca Belair's, for anyone at NXT that dares dream that you can do this at the highest possible level. They set the standard and they put in the work and they showed us what this can be, despite WWE trying to say otherwise for a very long time. Give them the chance to do it and they will do it like nobody else and set the table for the next generation. Is hoping that WWE does not forget about that because what I don't want to see happen is say we gave you 10 good years let's backslide no don't ever do it keep giving us moments like this and we see that but we still demand more you know i I know we spent a lot of time on these women so if we definitely got to cut something i'm here to cut (laughs) 2.0 snip snip (laughs) 
We will I'm snip just it. it out there. We will we will snip NXT 2.0, but we will talk about one thing specifically because it plays into bad booking revolving the women's division. So we'll chop it to a point. But let's quickly dive into the highlights or lowlights for Monday Night Raw, which went down live from the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas. And we kick things off with the beast, Cowboy Brock Lesnar. And once again, Paul Heyman is trying to do the Lord's work, trying to make me care about Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, part 95 for the Universal Championship. Last man standing, Stella SummerSlam in a couple of weeks' time in Nashville. And the highlight was Paul saying that if Roman had to, he would stick his hand up Brock Lesnar's ass and pull out his heart from the chest to put him down for good. Brock was like, what? He's going to do what? And then Austin Theory comes out to talk about getting F5'd off the pod at Elimination Chamber. And I guess that Austin landed too perfectly because they cut the feet like this should happen back in February. Show the whole clip. But besides the promo, the highlight was actually Brock Lesnar decimating the Affleck Academy. Otis getting F5'd by Brock with the greatest of ease through the announce table was fantastic. Chad ate some chair shots and still step shots to the face, which is quite enjoyable to me as well. So this was easily the highlight of this show. Brock's destruction and Paul's promo that was quite graphic when you think about it. And it shut down those annoying what chants. Because how dare you chant what to Paul Heyman, one of the greatest to ever open his mouth and say something in a live mic. I think Paul thought he was in the TV 14 era again when he started talking about sticking fingers in people's butts. I have no idea <laughs> what that was supposed like. I, I even think he thought about it after he said it. I was like, what did I just say? Why did I say that? Um, I, you know, Paul didn't even need to come out here. If Alpha Academy would have, if you know, would have came out and and Brock would have did that, that would have been just fine too. That's all I need to see to sell me on a Brock Lesnar match. It's him tossing horses. So and the last person I've seen to walk around with Otis like that is Bianca Belair when she was trucking that dude around the ring. <laughs> so, you know, that's all I need to see to be sold on. People can say whatever they want. When Brock gets in the ring and starts tossing dudes around and showing that 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 quickness and that, you know, agility and that strength, you're invested. Cause he, and Roman's not just some dude. So I'm, I have, I'm not worried about people being invested in the show or in the match. I think they'll be fine. It's just, you know, Paul and his weird fantasies that he needs to leave at home. We don't need that on Monday Night Raw. We are still a PG show right now. We have not entered TV 14 territory. That was very graphic. It woke me up. It got my attention, though. I was like, whoa. And Brock was like, whoa, wait a minute. So I, I enjoy that aspect of it. But the highlight is Brock whooping ass. And he did so very nicely to open up Monday Night Raw. And I'm hyped for the matchup. I just want blood. Can I get that? Because you owe me, Brock. You promised me there will be blood at WrestleMania. I was denied that. So as we go to TV 14, as Cody Luther King suggests with a wink, because he's manifested this into reality. Just give me that. Please, a SummerSlam bleed for me. Anybody bleed with me with, with blading in, in a very safe way because I'm owed that after what I was not given at WrestleMania. As we move on to Bianca Belair versus Carmella for the Raw Women's Championship. And this match was so much better than the match they had at Money in the Bank. Bianca Belair 
scooping up Carmella mid cross body and then hitting the vertical suplex was just a chef's kiss. The timing, the execution was everything. Hell, Carmella came through with a counter to the KOD with a face buster out of nowhere. She was really good in this match. Got to give her her props. But then Becky Lynch interferes because she said she wanted the winner of this match. Did not care who it would be. And she cost Bianca the win. Carmella wins via count out. And this Monday on Raw, we get yet another match between Carmella and Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, the match was good this week, but I keep saying I've seen it time and time again, dating back to last summer. And unfortunately, despite how good of a match they had on Monday, the crowd was absolutely dead for it. They did not react. And this is why, because you're running back a match that is going to be academic regardless. And at first I thought, well, if this is ending in a count on, maybe it's going to be Bianca, Becky, Carmella, triple threat to SummerSlam because Carmella got screwed by Becky last year. It's a nice way to pay off a storyline, but no, let's run back a dead match again for reasons when all you got to do is get to be, get to Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch last week and not do it this week. But that's what WWE does despite having the power to make the adjustments on the fly. I, I'm still holding out hope that, you know, this is all, a, a mirage or a mask, I mean, for Bailey to show up and take Carmella's place. Like I, I'm hoping that this is all going to lead to a triple threat with Carmella, Becky and Bianca. And then Bailey shows up and takes Carmella's place. Um, I, I think there's a lot you could do there. And then you can go with it in a few different ways. Bianca can actually take a lot. Uh, see, Bianca doesn't need to lose this match. And so Becky doesn't need to be in this match because she shouldn't be in a title match this soon. Bailey shouldn't be losing on her return. This is this is all a little muddle. I mean, so Bianca should win, logically. We would think she would win this match at SummerSlam, wherever it's going. Um, and then Becky loses the match. And then what? That's when she finally has this breakdown and meltdown because she can't beat Bianca. I it's the, I, I, don't know where they're going with this story. And I'm not very confident in it either. Me either. I just don't like the layout so far. If you're going to do Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, let her be Carmella outright on Monday and get to two weeks worth of promo for Becky versus Bianca two or three at this point on pay-per-view. Because after this, you only got one week to go and then it's the pay-per-view. So I would just like two weeks versus one to hype up the match. But WWE likes overcomplicating things. And unfortunately, you're running a dead feet into the ground because been there, done that. You know how it's going to end. Why prolong the inevitable? I, you know, hey, but honestly, this is the, to me, this kind of highlights like Oscar's right there. Oscar versus Bianca should have been the SummerSlam match. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand where the hesitation is to put that on as a SummerSlam match. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Why Oscar's not in that spot. Makes zero sense. And she's in a random tag team with Alexa Bliss this week against Dewdrop and Nikki Ash. She needs to dump the hero gimmick, but she won't, even though they said they were getting more serious. And it's been two months and they have not gotten more serious since then. And this is our weekly reminder that Dewdrop deserves better. 
doing my girl dirty like that. Do, 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 job. That's my girl right there, man. At least she has words in her. Hey, at least she got words in this generic ass music era we're in. Somebody did drop lyrics on that premium beat, and we thank them for that because it does give <laughs> some premium life. Premium beat. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At least added some lyrics to that premium beat, you know, to add some variety to these dry ass tracks on Monday Night Raw. And now I got to talk about my boy Champa because you know what? I've been here on this show saying, give me a reason why you've been beating up Mustafa Ali, AJ Styles. Tell me why you beat up Riddle. Give me a reason why you've done these things, Champa. You can talk. You can work. You've shown us that on NXT over the years. So he appears on Miz TV this past Monday. And to my great disappointment, he tells the world that, you know what? If you want to get attention, you got to go to the Miz. You got to go to the guy that's got the platform and the means to give me a spotlight a chance to showcase what I can do. So Champa, no first name anymore. So now, despite your accolades on NXT 1.0, 1.5, 2.0, you've been reduced to a Miz clout chaser. And I'm sure Scott, the top clout chaser of the Miz is proud of you for this accomplishment. You know, it takes a real man to <laughs> admit. <with> <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Keeler? What, what, what are you doing? I'm over here trying to give a serious uh, speech, you know, a serious <laughs> diatribe. And you over here laughing at me. You giggling at me. Because you're full try- of shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start over. <clears throat> it takes a real man to admit when they need help. And Tommaso was like, man, I'm just trying to get on TV. I've been stuck here on main event for a few weeks now. I can't go back to 2.0. They done changed the locks on me. <laughs> can't go back to NXT. Hunter won't return my calls. So I don't, I, I got I to gotta talk to somebody. And so he goes to the guy that you talk to, you know, when you, what, it, what really got to him was he was like, you know, what, what should I do? How do I take that next step up? You know, how do I, quote unquote, level up from NXT. And so he was like, I'll go to the guy who beats NXT every week in the ratings and the other company Rampage, you know, I'll go to that guy who's the the third highest viewed wrestling, a fourth highest viewed wrestling show in all wrestling. Isn't that crazy? I'm sorry. I told my, I was clout chasing my Miz love. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? We we talk about that. We say that, but every person who has kind of latched on to Miz, quote unquote, has ended up getting over. Let's look at what da- this, this is going to end up like Damian Sandow, because when Champa does give Miz that big knee to the face, the crowd's going to lose it. They're going to love it. And I, I think I think he's in this now. So that way we can have a tag match. We can get, you know, maybe AJ and Logan Paul versus Miz and Champa. That'd be fine. I'll accept it. But um, I just feel so bad for Ciampa to lower himself. He, hey, I do. Don't feel bad for him. He good. He good with the Miz. Marjo going to take real good care of him. Marjo is going to take good <laughs> care of Ciampa. You, you notice I didn't say George, right? George ain't shit. What are you going to do? <laughs> what is he going to do for Ciampa? 
You know, he probably would adopt him and say, you know what? You're the son I always wanted, a tough son of a bitch. That's exactly what he would do. <laughs> he would love Champa. He would will the hero shop to Champa over his son. He would he would hand over the keys to his food truck, Ms. Steaks. Oh my god. <laughs> he probably would. Like this is the son I always wanted. This, Ms. is a professional wrestler. Look at him. Abs for days. Beard dyed <laughs> up. Bald head. Strong physique. Personality on point. Look at you. Just average. Average at best. This right here. This is a son I can be proud of. Hey, for all you Miz haters out there, if you want to watch a show where Miz's father just berates him the entire time, Miz and Mrs. is for you. Yeah, you want real hate from his <laughs> own family? A hater. That That's guy's a hater. A, hater. a professional hater. His own father, like, son, you're just basic. Look at you. <laughs> Look, your house, your house could be bigger than this. <laughs> Like the stuff he says is so re- I, I I I know we got a lot to get to, but the stuff this dude says to the Miz is re- Yo, I, I can't move in. I can't move into one of your houses here. What do you mean? I can't live with you? Why not? You're rich. <laughs> but then but then he'll be like, You ain't got no money. You can't buy that. Like, yeah, he don't know what he wants. George doesn't have a clue what's going on. No, I will say on a, a quick smackdown, a side note that um, when Michael Cole cut the promo saying that someone signed a contract to WWE, the fans in Orlando immediately assumed it was Logan Paul and he was booed. Then he says extension. Oh, it's Pat McAfee. So if they're responding to that right now, dude ain't getting over as a babyface at all. I don't see it. Again, that's why they put in, they they're gonna you and this is just a theory. This is just a guess. I because I, I I can't assume that Champ was there by accident at this time, right before SummerSlam. After he's and you know he's been attacking um, AJ Styles, so I I have to assume that that's why they'll put him with Logan. That way, the people aren't gonna want to boo AJ, but they're definitely gonna boo Logan Paul. So it's it's gonna be a very interesting crowd dynamic. It is. And I got to give the devil his due. He's pretty good in the ring and he'll get over some way, somehow, not as a baby face, most likely as a heel. But maybe the fans will begrudgingly respect him for actually being good at his job and putting in the work. But right now, based on that fake out on Friday, I don't have hope. And now we got to talk about the main event of Monday Night Raw. It was a tag team match featuring the almighty Bobby Lashley, the reigning defending United States champion alongside Riddle versus Mr. Money in the Bank Theory and Seth freaking Rollins, a really fun main event that took a turn when Dolph Ziggler came out suited and ready to go to sit at ringside for reasons. And the end of this match came when Bobby speared Seth through the barricaded ringside and Riddle was going for the RKL, which was blocked by Seth and Dolph Ziggler is at ringside and he is going to stop Theory from cheating as Theory had his foot on the ropes to gain a little bit of leverage for the pinfall. And Ziggler knocks his feet off the ropes. The fans pop. I'm shocked too. And Riddle wins with an RKL. After the match is over, Ziggler gets in the ring and he super kicks Theory and the fans cheer, cheer even more. And I'm wondering, okay, this is unexpected. I don't know why this is happening. But I'm intrigued because the first time in 
maybe five years I care about Dolph Ziggler. I gave him a reprieve during his short tenure in NXT 2.0 earlier this year, but it was fleeting because he didn't deliver for me as they didn't deliver against Braun Breaker, and the rematch wasn't that great either. So I soured on him again, but now I am interested in Dolph Ziggler as to why he went after Theory. It's probably a way to get Theory more reps in the ring against a seasoned vet like Ziggler, but I just want Ziggler to give me something different to work with can you evolve this character that's been pretty stagnant for well over 15 or more years he had moments against the Miz on Smackdown nearly six years ago when he was at his best fighting over the IC title but I just need a different Ziggler that pops on screen because he can overshadow theory in the ring and on the mic but the personality he's got to give me something new for me to care about this switch up heading into next week I, I think there's a story that you can tell with Ziggler um, at this point in his career. And I, 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 I'm a Ziggler fan, but I was shocked to see the reaction that he got and the crowd support. And maybe that's a testament to theory as well. Um, I think at this point, Ziggler's got to tell the story of, I know I don't have what I once did. And I know I'm not, you know, I know I'm not that guy I used to be, but I got one more run at me. You know, I got I got I got one more good run in me, you know, to the top or to the title or something. You know, I got one more run. You you can tell that story with Ziggler as this underdog babyface because of how well he sells, because of the super kick and how he can hit it out of nowhere and end the match, even though he's been beat down the entire time. You know, and and like you said, he's a good guy for these younger guys to be working with. But I, I do question the timing of this because Theory has a U.S. title match against Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. He's been teasing all this stuff with Brock and Roman at SummerSlam. Where does Ziggler fit in? Like, I I think it'd be a complete waste of Ziggler to blow this off in two weeks. I just, the timing is odd to me with the Ziggler thing, but I do think there is a story there. So I, I'm a, I, I, I like Ziggler. I like what he brings to the table. I know it's kind of same old same, but if he changes things up a little bit, goes to a little bit more of that a grittier wrestling mat-based style because he's a little older now, those are the things that you can do to kind of tell this story. And I hope that's the route they go with Ziggler. I hope so too. I was a ride or die Ziggler fan for a very long time. I jumped off the bandwagon in 2017 when he went through that midlife crisis of doing everybody's entrance on SmackDown. Even Naomi's like, dude, you've hit rock bottom where you can't even do that right. And he was lost as a heel for a very long time. Had the partnership with Drew McIntyre on Monday Night Raw about four years ago, but he has not stood out to me in a dynamic way. And this is his chance as a seasoned vet to do something a bit different to get theory over. As you mentioned, it is a choice to do this a couple of weeks before SummerSlam. Will he be added to the United States Championship match against Bobby and Theory? I don't know. Will he be a spoiler at SummerSlam if Theory tries to cash in the contract? That's interesting as well. I just want this to make sense and for Ziggler to give me a bit more than what he's been giving over the last few years. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't think there's any chance we see Dolph Ziggler on the same screen as Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. There's no way he plays into that match. I, I, I can't imagine they would put Ziggler in the main event in any shape or form at SummerSlam. But then again, who knows what they're going to do. But the, the adding to the, the U.S. title match, that that's an interesting idea and something I could see. Because I feel like... 
I, I could be wrong, Kilo. Correct me if I am wrong. And if you do remember, I feel like there was a time where Ziggler kind of made his big return and then was added to a triple threat and won the triple threat for the U.S. title. I could be wrong about that, but it feels very similar. And it might have even been at SummerSlam with Corbin and AJ Styles or something like that. It, it feels very similar. So I, that's not a bad idea. Um, but I, then again, what do you do? You pin Ziggler? You, you know, you, does Lashley pin Ziggler? Does he pin Theory? Because then it becomes, why do you add Ziggler to the match? It's, it's just weird timing with the Ziggler thing. Yes, definitely curious, but unexpected. And sometimes we want that on Monday Night Raw. Give us a surprise. And it gave us that via whatever Dolph Ziggler did to Theory. And I'm looking forward to the follow-up. So we can talk about it next week right here on The Wrap as we quickly talk about NXT 2.0. Let's get right to the main event. Roxanne Perez was jumped in the parking lot at the top of the show. The most dangerous place in WWE is the Performance Center parking lot. You get jumped. You don't know who did it. And Cora Jade gave us the look like, I did it. And when Roxanne came out, she gave the look like, oh, this bitch really got back up. And she's going to compete with bad ribs. And she tries to talk her down. And it's Roxanne Perez versus Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. And it's a good match. Roxanne sells the ribs. Mandy Rose goes after them throughout. And eventually, Roxanne has full advantage of toxic attraction, lays them all out. She delivers pop rocks to Mandy on the floor and Cora Jade offers encouragement. Get back in the ring, Roxanne. You can do it. And then Jesse Jane distracts the referee and that allows Cora Jade to hit her best friend in the back with the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship belt. Mandy hits the running knee strike on Roxanne Perez to retain the title. And in a botchamania moment for the ages, Cora Jade is going to swing her skateboard at Roxanne Perez. But it's a gimmicked skateboard. They saw the thing so it could break easily. But when she (laughs) goes to hit Roxanne in the back, the damn skateboard breaks apart in two. The hat flies, the skateboard breaks apart, and she she's beating Roxanne with one half of the skateboard. And that pretty much encapsulates everything that's wrong with this storyline. They win the tag team titles one week, they break up the next, and now for the second time in three months, I don't give a solitary shit about the NXT women's tag team titles. You pull this shit with the Dusty Cup when Io Shirai and Kayla Ray said, I don't want these titles we want the women's title you win these tag team titles last week oh fuck these titles now fuck friendship we're over it and now these titles will most likely be vacated because these two women and Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade now hate each other this is the height of they cannot coexist ever again so why switch the titles why not go with Casey and Jojo the only complete fucking team on this show. But oh no, let's do something dumb by watering down these already paper-thin titles with very limited contenders. Well, actually, I think that's exactly where they're going to go. It seems like Casey and JoJo are kind of building up their frustration and they're going to end up having like a handicap match versus Roxanne Perez since Cora Jade won't show up. Um, My question is, what was Cora going to do if... Um, JC didn't distract the referee. Was, was she still going to run in there and attack her? What, or was she going to let her win the match and then attack her? What was the plan there? Like, just illogical things. Um, 
the 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 big tag the big win and i should have seen it coming as over the top as they were you're my best friend no you're my no you're my (laughs) best friend you my bestie i we should have seen it coming anytime they go over the top with stuff like that you know it's coming but a week after (sighs) that's a decision um so I, I fully expect actually Casey and Jojo to be the next tag champions in some type of handicap match against Roxanne Perez. She'll put up a great fight, but she'll eventually lose to the numbers. So, but you know, I, I'm here for the core Jade heel turn, but you are really starting behind the eight ball with this one, with the way that the skateboard broke off and that didn't work. And I don't know, man, this is, um, this was the, a 2.0 that was, definitely skippable for this week yes i'm looking forward to what cora j can do as a heel in terms of personality and if the promos get better because those babyface promos the last few weeks weren't the greatest it might have been a telltale sign then that she was turning heel but this show wasn't all of that in the least this was another missable edition of 2.0 i had high hopes in june but when you do things like this that waters down these tag team titles it's a miss for me because if you don't care about these titles, why should we as viewers? I keep saying this. If you don't want to commit to any long-term stories or long-term champions, ice every tag team belt involving the women's division for Raw, SmackDown, and 2.0. Why invest if you don't care? And why should I care if you don't care? Spent the first 45 minutes talking about how great the women's foundation is. And now we're talking about these two women who just won the tag titles. And now now they done turned on each other. It's just, you know, this is this is the WWE. They just do these incredible things on one end. And then the very next day they do that. You really get the best and the worst all in the same show. It's what we do here. It's a service we provide every week right here on The Wrap as we transition to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. The first Thunderdome, by the way, a couple of years ago that Michael Cole was proud to say several times on the show Friday night. And I got to talk about Natalia. So Natalia, (laughs) Scott knows because we talked about this off the air. Now, I've been a Natalia fan for a very long time. There was a time then Natalia had to dye her hair red because she looked exactly like Beth Phoenix. She confused me. True story. Truly did. But she's been a mother hen of this division for a very long time. Has been through the highs and the lows and everywhere in between. Has given her time, the 2.0, and we appreciate her for that. But she had a match this past Friday against the brand new SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan. And Liv Morgan had to carry this match because Natalia just decided to do the absolute most. And what I mean by that is she did the bare minimum. She was wrestling in slow motion. She had my girl glitching like she was in the Matrix. Missing spots left and right. Liv trying to hold things together. Just Natalia just not doing her part, which is very unusual because they train together all the time. It's what they do off the clock. This was a mess. Liv carried. She did what she had to do. But Natalia, 
you didn't do what you were supposed to do. There was a story that was floating around social media about Natty having an attitude problem at a house show this past weekend, and it carried over to TV on Friday, which was very surprising. I will say this. If you don't feel like going to work, take a vacay, Natalia. It's okay. If you don't want to put in the work, you've been doing it for a very long time. I get it. You reach your ceiling. Take a break. Decompress. Go on an island. A relevancy like Roman Reigns. Chill and relax. Because what you did Friday was not it. And normally I defend you to the depths because I think that you are a great asset to the women's division. But on Friday, you tried it. And I didn't like it. I didn't think she was that bad. You know, I uh, I thought it was just your normal Natalia match. It just everything seemed normal to me. I uh, you know, I but I saw a lot of that. There was a lot of people like, yo, what's what's Natalia on right now? So uh yeah, you know, if you you wanna just, you know, take the puppies out, take a couple pics, you know, do you you know, do your thing on Instagram? Do your thing. Do you know, take take the vacay. Take some days off. But uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was fine. This To me, this seemed like every other Natalia match we've had since her and Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. And that was, what, two, three years ago now? I I, I mean, this 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 to me was, was every... I mean, you know, I thought Liv looked great. I thought she looked great. But, you know, I, I didn't notice anything different about natalia maybe that's just me being like oh it's natalia we know what we're getting you're used to it yeah i was not this was <laughs> this was this was something new and i didn't like it i was like what the hell is this like she really bought this shit to tv and i was like okay mm-hmm. Shotzi's right there Shotzi is right there that would have actually been a better matchup but <sighs> okay Tamina's right there too. Tamina's right there too. Oh man. Oh no, she might be on Raw. I don't know. Well, now we have this open invitation. Anybody can just float over, you know. Dewdrop is right there. That would have been more entertaining than what we got on Friday. But now, see, I, she shouldn't be now. Dewdrop is somebody you should save for Liv Morgan. Yeah, because that's a nice monster for Liv to kind of conquer. And you could you can save that. So I, that's actually a really intriguing match that they should at some point go to. Dewdrop needs to make her way to SmackDown because that's a good matchup for for Liv Morgan. I agree. I love what they did at Elimination Chamber for the time they worked together. And that would be a nice way to rebuild, do drop away from Bianca Belair and give us a, fe- a fresh matchup. I do dig that a lot. As we move on to a surprisingly fun match between Matt Cat Moss and Theory. And the fans were kind of into it because this is a young guy matchup involving the future of WWE, something we've been clamoring for for a very long time. I enjoyed this. Madcap has still got some work to do in terms of presence, but I like his potential. He threw around theory like nobody's business theory, dare I say, is now starting to get legitimate heel heat by being Mr. Money in the Bank. He's being over as a bad guy and not getting that go away heat, which is so important. I really enjoyed the structure and context of the match. The DQ finish was kind of a cop out when Theory hit 
madcap with the briefcase over the head. It wasn't fun for me, but it was a way to protect both guys at the end of the day. But oddly enough, the highlight for me was Sami Zayn coming out. And I don't know why he's in a sling that makes me sad he appears. He's nursing an injury right now, which sucks. But he basically says, as an honorary ooze, I'm telling you right now, don't try no funny business at SummerSlam because we got you. And by we, it's the Usos. And I loved how the Usos came out. They got a great pop from the crowd, which was weird. And Sammy kind of bopping to the beat of the Usos theme song. That was hilarious. So I love that dynamic. I don't think I was supposed to like it that much because I think everybody in the scenario is a bad guy except for Matt Cat Moss. Let me tell you, whenever the Usos decide to go baby in the entire bloodline for that matter, they're going to get an, an incredible ovation when they just decide to be full on baby faces. Cause you're right. They got a great, again, this is a testament to Austin theory. This is goes to show that he is getting over with the crowd as a heel, as someone that people want to see get beat. Even Sami Zayn, who people enjoy booing, they were fully behind. Sammy even had that, that was the, that little grin he had. That was the old baby face NXT Sammy. I, I saw a little shade of the, 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 the shaved head and all that. Like that was the old baby face smile NXT from Sammy. Um, I will say this about Madcap and theory. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one to, to put myself out there. Cause you know, that's you got to do that sometimes. Theory versus Madcap will be for a world title. If both men are in the company in two years. I, I am, I'm fully confident one of those two, probably theory theory will probably be a multiple time champion by then that will be a world title match on a PLE, not SummerSlam WrestleMania, anything like that, but a PLE that will 100% be a title match. Theory is really giving me a lot of Seth Rollins vibes as far as how he's kind of carried himself during his money in the bank run. Um, you know, the, the way he is, the way he's getting over with the crowd, this kind of reminds me how Edge was, you know, how he was <clears throat> always getting booed. And he, you know, there was a, a real kind of hate for Edge. Now, I know Edge had the leader thing going with him, too. So he had a little extra disdain. But I feel like Theory has the, oh, he's the young guy that Vince McMahon likes. So we're not going to like him going for him. So there's that, there's that kind of element too. I, I see a lot of the past money in the bank winners, in theory, you know, and I think that's a good thing because I I think theory is going like I I've been saying this for weeks. He's going to be the guy for the next few years for WWE. He's going to be. He may not be you know capital the guy, but he's going to be a guy that's always around. He's going to be Triple H. Triple H was never really the guy, but he was always a guy around. He was always the guy right below them, right there, the main event, right there to transition a title, right there to be that top heel, top baby face for a bit. That's going to be theory. He's going to be that guy. Now, I've shot you down for saying that before, but when you put it like that, I can accept it. As long as we don't get a reign of terror out of it. And I'm good. I don't need three years of theory on top running shit with a faction. If I don't get that, I'm very satisfied. But I do agree with you 100% that in a couple of years time, you could see Matt Cap in theory main eventing a show 
for a championship. I do see that vision. I loved how both men carry themselves backstage with Paul Heyman because Paul put his neck out for both men during the early days of the pandemic. And you see it start to bear fruit a bit for both of them. And Madcap does give me some slight Wardlow vibes, a little rough around the edges, but you do see something there. He can be a powerhouse. I wish they dumped the name of Madcap Moss. I'm going to go back to Riddick Moss, but it's WWE. You must have a gimmick. I do see it for both men. And ironically enough, every time I see Theory, I think of him as the lovable dumbass from NXT. I just want a twinge of that dumbass on main roster WWE television to kind of finesse that side of his character because I think that would be endearing long term. He's lovable in that way as a complete dumbass. And that is a compliment coming from me because he does dumbass like nobody's business. I will rescind this. He may not be a Triple H because I, I do agree with you. I don't think he'll ever have that reign of terror type run where he'll be champion for eight, nine months. But I think he'll be a lot like Edge. You know, I think he'll have these, you know, two, three month reigns where he's the, you know, he's the heel that you put the belt. S- similar to what they did with The Miz with Bobby Lashley. He's going to be that guy going forward that you can put that belt on, that they'll feel confident with, that they'll let have a little bit more of a reign. They did that with the Miz because there's a pandemic and there's no there's no fans and it was a week. Theory they, is a guy that can do that for two, three months and it, they'll be confident with him in the ring, him on the mic, the reactions that he gets. So I, I think he'll be a more akin to an edge than a Triple H because I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't need to see him with a long reign like that. And... With him being a little bit more like an Edge, you can get more of that goofy personality. Very similar to how Edge did with Vicky or with the La Familia uh, when he was a little bit more goofy, even though he was a bad guy. Now, I just need Thayer to get some epic theme music. Can he get some Alter Bridge to really add to his character? I don't, you don't like the A-Town down? Again, we got words. We, we can't, hey, listen, <laughs> listen, you're asking a lot, Keela. We are, we already have theme music with words. You asking a lot. They're going to they take everything. They're going to give them some generic music we can find on an iPhone. Oh, Lord. Okay, so if he's A-Town down, how about WWE asks Usher to commission, yeah. Can they buy the rights? A-Town Watch down. This. Watch there this. you go. Watch this. <laughs> You go. You, Come on. So, so now you want you want Usher to do the do his meme for for a live entrance for things yes. coming out. Watch yes. You gonna have you gonna have him doing the thing, and the whole crowd gonna start doing that for theory. That's gonna be his new chant. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. With the hand motions, <laughs> it must happen. Listen, if WrestleMania happens in Atlanta, Usher must be there for this that for theory. Fun. You know. Come on, piece up A-Town down. Now watch this. Ah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> that would be something, man. Somebody, I think somebody did do that on wrestling. It was, I think it was Kofi or, or Xavier did that. I think somebody did do the watch this. I can't remember. Yes, it's, it's such a great meme. It's like, thank you, Usher, for that. It's been a gift for the last two weeks. But I would want that for theory. Give me something Atlanta-related. Outcast. Ludacris. Oh, he, no, Come he, on. Can't, he can't have Outkast. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Kila. Can he get Big Boy? He could do like he a can, song. He can do Big Boy. He can't have Outkast. <laughs> the whole crew. Yeah, he can't. He can't. Can, can, 
Three Stacks is not doing no song <laughs> for Austin Theory. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm a theory guy. That's not going down. Big Boy can do it, though. Big Boy can do it. Okay. What about Ludacris? Can he do it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Ludacris can definitely do He can do a couple songs for him. Okay. All right. You know, so- that's fine. <laughs> I'm just laughing that Andre is above this. Absolutely. Three- <laughs> Andre 3000 is absolutely above this. Way above theory. I'm actually a little upset you even mentioned it. <laughs> now, I said he could commission an older song, not new material. <sighs> he, he can have I Like the Way You Move, big See? boy. He can have that. Oh, my he, God. He can't have three stacks. He can have Sleepy Brown, but not three stacks. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. As we finish this Atlanta music discussion, we got to talk about the end of SmackDown. Which was something. So it was the main event featuring Jimmy Uso, one half of the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions versus Angelo Dawkins. It was a good match with a bunch of Charles Robinson bullshit. He got knocked out and he missed two pinfalls by both Jimmy and Angelo. And Angelo got the win with the roll up when Jimmy's when Jimmy Uso's shoulder was up on the camera. So technically the match was not over, but Charles Robinson, Lil Nate, didn't see it. So that means we must have a special guest referee at SummerSlam to determine the SmackDown and Raw Tag Team Champs, who are the true undisputed champs in wwe is it the street profits or the usos so adam pierce wwe official comes out to say and the special guest referee is and we go to a video package of one jeff jarrett and i'm looking at this video package and i'm thinking you know despite this show taking place in nashville the hometown bias is real, is real, but this is random as hell. And I was like, Sammy and one good arm couldn't do this. I was very, con- I was very confused and perplexed by this decision. Yeah, he get a hometown pop, but even Nashville's ticket. That's that, that's that's the announcement. That's that's what we getting. That's gonna move tickets. Jeff Jarrett, Double J, come on now, choices. I don't know if it's a good one, but it was a choice nonetheless. I, uh, this is the part of the show, I know it's a little late, but this is the part of the show where I throw my hands up and I have to ask, why? <laughs> <laughs> what exactly? And I also want to change my pick. I have been picking the Street Profits to take the title since their epic match at Money in the Bank. They will not now. They will lose the match and hit them with the guitar after the match, after they lose. That's what's going to happen. I'm just throwing that out there now. Um, and... As far as the match goes on SmackDown, so the referee missed two pinfalls and then got the one that he did count wrong. But we're gonna see him next week. He not gonna get fired. <laughs> that referee missed three, got three pinfalls wrong in the same match. But we gonna we not we gonna see him next week. That's see, Lil Nate. <laughs> Lil Nate, where 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 my girl at? Where where my sister at? She need to be there. You know what I'm saying? Where's where's the other um the other uh, uh female referee? Jessica. She's pretty, yeah, Jessica's great. Where's she at? But you actually actually don't put Jessica there. Don't make her look stupid like you just did, little Nate, and had him miss three. <laughs> what? 
in the same match? Like, how, how do you keep any type? And, and what is Jeff Jarrett supposed to do that Little Nature didn't do? <laughs> what, is he suppo- what is he supposed to see that, that, that he didn't see? Because when he gets hit the same way Little Nature gets hit, because when you put on the referee shirt, you apparently can't take any type of contact. But once you get hit, you're going to be out for five minutes. So we know that's going to happen. Like, you don't not not a Rick Boogs who can probably walk by now. Who's you know got injured by the Usos? Not Kevin Owens, who you know has a storyline with him. Like you said, not Sami Zayn, who has a storyline with him. Um, not Matt Riddle, who doesn't have a match yet, but has a storyline and has a a legit beef with the bloodline that you could have running forever because they took out his guy. None of them. Let's go with Jeff Jarrett, who has nothing to do with all that color in the ring. This country guy is going to be in there. What he got to do with the Usos and the Street Profits. I, I I'm 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 baffled. I'm flabbergasted, and that was just a terrible. I I, I like Jeff, and you could put him in any other match. Why would you put him in the match that could potentially be the best tag team match WWE has all year? Instead, you I, I don't know, man. That silly move. I I have no idea what they're doing. It's perplexing. It really is. Um. My preferred pick, the the man that could really bring truth to power and fairness and structure, even with one good arm as well, would be Cody Luther King. Now, that's an interesting concept because that would be a nice little breadcrumb leading into him and Roman, especially if you give the Street Profits the win. That's... See, that's that's what I'm talking about, Keela. What's so hard about that? You did that in about two minutes. And they picked Jeff Jarrett. <sighs> I was like, okay, he's from Nashville and you know you you if you WWE, you know you're gonna have some type of nonsensical match on the card where Jeff Jarrett could really shine and take the glory away. These dudes just went out there and put on one of the best tag team matches you've had in a long time. And instead of just letting them run it back, when people want the rematch, people actually want the rematch, you know, instead of just letting them run it back, it's like, nah, we're not gonna do that. Jeff. Come on, bro. Bring the guitar. You're going to referee this match for no reason, but we want you here. It's ridiculous. It creates an unnecessary distraction. And here we are. I had high hopes for this match, but now my hopes are dashed. Hmm. And with that, we got to end this show on a light note because once again, you know, I don't know what's up with WWE, especially SmackDown. It's hard to find a good match from WWE during the week, but we try. We look at all the shows, mostly Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, maybe a little bit of level up, perhaps main event on the side, but we found something. Didn't you find something, Scott, that stood out to you and said, you know what? That is the best damn match in WWE this week. Uh, Yeah, you know, I actually really did enjoy the tag team match, Riddle and Bobby Lashley versus Theory and uh, Rollins. I thought Riddle 
has, and, it, and I'm starting to realize that it's Riddle. He just has this innate chemistry with everybody. Like him and Lashley worked so well together. Just little things they did, like Riddle slapped Bobby in the chest and Bobby slapped Riddle and Riddle goes flying on the floor. <laughs> little thing, like Riddle works so well with everybody and he's such a likable guy. Like he, he just... You you want to root for him? You want like oh yeah, let me yeah I want to like I want to see him get his because then when he gets fired up, you're you're behind him and you're with it. I thought the match was really good. Um, Rollins is as he's he is that guy. I he's he's in any conversation you want to have for best in the world. Rollins needs to be in that conversation. But that's my match for best of the week. All right, my pick is on NXT 2.0. It was the opener featuring Apollo Crews and Giovanni Vinci. That was my on the list of our topics. We had to cut due to time, but I wanted to highlight how good the match was. I hyped it up a week in advance that it was going to be good. It was very good. I love both men very much for what they bring. Giovanni Vinci still wrestles like Fabian Eichner. I wish it's Fabian Eichner as a name, but he can't be because it's his real name. But he's so damn good. Apollo Crews equally as great as well. And I thought it was a really good match until Zion Quinn interfered. But that did not take away from the quality of what both men of what both men gave in the ring on Tuesday night. And I guess Apollo's got a beef with Zion Quinn because he thinks I'm pretty, I'm fine, and therefore I'm what WWE is looking for in a star. And good luck to you, sir. As I said several weeks ago, OnlyFans is waiting for you. And that's not a bad thing. To quote DDT, that's a good thing. Or DDP, my bad. You know, what a waste for Apollo to be on that guy. Um, Speaking on that match, that spot where Apollo went from the top rope and dove at Giovanni and he caught him in that suplex and he almost let him hit the ground, but his toes never hit the ground and he lifted him back up into that brain buster. That was a thing of beauty. I, he, he is Cesaro light and people would be like, what do you, why would you say that? That's not it. Like, I don't mean that as any type of insult, but like he can do everything. Like he reminds me so much of Cesaro or Claudio now and that he can just do everything. I think like, there's just not guys like that. Like, him, Claudio, a Shelton in his heyday, like guys that could literally do anything. They could do the power game. They can do the flying game and they're fast. When he was running those ropes and then he hit that shoulder block. Yeah. Really good match, man. I, I really enjoyed that match. That was my number two. Yes, Giovanni reminds me a lot of Cesaro and Claudio as well. Just so good. And he's one of those guys that you don't have to talk in order to project a personality because his work is the personality. He just brings it every single time. And I hope he makes it on that show and eventually the main roster because he really has the skill set to be great. We saw what he did at War Games last December. That man wrestled for his life. He probably did in some ways because he showed up and showed out. Of course, I miss Imperium, but as a single star, the guy does not miss. And you see that every single time he was a true highlight on this show alongside Apollo Crews this past Tuesday night. I think you could bring him up with Tony D and that's an easy way to kind of mass Tony D a little bit as far as him not being overexposed in the ring. You have somebody who can be in the ring all the time and have good matches and get over, you know, 
there are ways to do it. I hope I'm with you. I really hope he does get a run on the main roster where he can really show off this talent. And reunite with Gunther and Ludwig, please. I don't ask for much. It's right there. It's right there. Please. We can still do Bloodline and Imperium if you do care or the New Day if when Biggie is healthy. It's all right there. I'm still mad they didn't do any of that because it's a layup and they missed again. But I digress. As we wrap up the wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network, a fun show that was highlighted by an awesome discussion surrounding the women's evolution, which is ever evolving in WWE. And I got to thank my tag team partner, the Salty One himself, for sticking with me through it all. Well, you know, Keela, it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Um, you know, we're we're in the in the on the road to SummerSlam and this is a it should be exciting times. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not quite perky enough on this feed. I uh, don't have anything to really get perky about. So hopefully next week I won't always be Salty Scott. The perkiness is coming, y'all, because we're going to be on the Patreon in the next hey. week or so. He's going to be happy. SummerSlam 05, drop those $5 right now so you can listen to us talk about it sometime next week on the feed right before the 2022 edition of SummerSlam. That's when he's happiest. That's when I'm happy, too, because I get to laugh and throw shade at people from 15, 16 years ago. And that main event of Hogan versus Shawn Michaels, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy for many, many, many reasons in hindsight, which should be a lot of fun. But we'll talk about that on the Patreon. But we'll be back here next weekend covering all things WWE once again as the road to SummerSlam continues. So for myself and Salty Scott Young, that's a wrap on all things WWE.